two. And as a two reminds us, as all men, that we live in a sinful age. We live in a culture that often drives us away from God. Advent reminds us that our lives are going to be a struggle against evil. Anybody remember the old cartoon figure Pogo? Okay. We have met the enemy and he is us. Yeah. He is us. We're constantly struggling against that. That's why in the general confession that we'll say in a few minutes, we say, we have sinned. We've fallen short. We have not loved you. We humbly repent. We say it as a community, but it is equally as true for each one of us because each of us are a member of that community. We are taking a joint prayer of our own need to confess and combining it, recognizing that each and every one of us need to do that. We need to remember these words. We need to remember what we proclaim, what we say with our mouths, and make those things what we live in our lives. God, frankly, is not so much interested in the gifts you're going to give one another this Christmas as he is in what we are going to bring to him. Our hearts and our minds, our love, our obedience. The prophet Malachi lived four to five hundred years before um, the birth of Christ. So he lived at the time the people had returned um, from captivity. The temple has been rebuilt. The walls of the city have been built. But there is huge um, fallenness among the people. They are not. They are not following the law. They are not keeping provisions that they were required to keep. And the priesthood has fallen into deep um, trouble. They're not. They are very uh, conflicted and complicated and also um, very selfish in their actions and what they're doing. Malachi happens to be the last book in the Old Testament. It stands right next to our Gospels that proclaim what? The coming of Jesus. Every Gospel has some introduction to the arrival of Jesus right at the beginning. And Malachi is the prophet that four or five hundred years before is telling people that they are needing to get prepared. In fact, it says the words of Malachi say, see, I am sending my messenger. And the words, my messenger, are actually Malachi's name. Malachi is the messenger of the Lord here. And he asks a big and important question for them and for us. Will the people be ready for the coming of God? Will the people be ready for God to intervene in their lives? Now they remember their history. They remember God taking them through um the waters, the saving actions of God, but they've fallen away from faithfulness 
Malachi says when God comes, it's going to be like a refiner's fire or fuller's soda. I'm sure all of you know what fuller's soda is, but I had to do a little um, studying on fuller's soda. Fuller's soda was not just like a soap. It was a process used, literally beating the articles of clothing until they were white again, beating out all the stains, all the things that were um, compromising the purity of the, gar of the garment. So it was really pretty ferocious in um, action. And he says it's also going to be like a refiner's fire. All of them knew what fire did to them. All of them knew what Fuller's soap was, the action of deep cleansing. And he says, that's what you need to be getting ready for. And he actually says that divine intervention is going to be needed to get you back in shape, to get you back to faithfulness. It's going to require divine intervention. Now, he didn't want to see that. But it leads us into Luke's passage today. Because he continues with the same thing. We need to get ready. Once again, I hate to keep saying this, there was a corrupt priesthood. Um, people were living sinful lives. It was all about me. It was all about, you know, what my desires are, what I want. And John the Baptist comes to say, it's time to get ready. The king is coming. The Messiah is coming. The long-awaited one is coming. Now, in the ancient world, getting ready meant going around the town, getting the town cleaned up, scrubbing the walls, making everything nice. Think about uh, the anticipation. It would be like if you were at the... Thanksgiving parade, Macy's Day parade, and you were in New York City sitting in the bleachers, and you've been sitting there for an hour. And all of a sudden, you see the first glow. And it's, yeah, they're coming. They're coming. That's the sense of urgency that John the Baptist is talking about. He's coming. He's coming. And you need to get prepared. He says we have to get ourselves ready to get cleaned up, to repent. And so he begins, as we all know, baptizing for repentance. Now, baptizing was not traditional for repentance at that time in Jewish history. The people who were baptized were those who were non-Jews who wanted to convert to Judaism. So John is coming with this message of you need to be baptized, you need to repent, you need to literally be washed and to repent in Greek is a word metanoia, which means literally turning your lives around. It's not just saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I slapped that guy the other day. It's a complete turn of life. It's not about one thing. So, in a couple of weeks, we're going to meet this king again. We're going to celebrate Christmas. And God becomes a part of the human commit vision. We know that. He comes to save us from sin. He dies for us. We know all that. We've, we've done Christmas, right? Over and over and over again. Which makes it 
no less powerful that this God enters into humanity, enters into humanity in order to save us. However, the first Christians, the first generation, experienced that and became converts would read and ask how they would give all their stuff away and live communally and they saw more than just the coming of Jesus or hearing the story. They knew the story of the cross, the tomb, and the resurrection. They expected their lives revealed in the early first century of Christianity that they thought Jesus was coming back quickly. He would be coming soon. It isn't until later that we'll hear in Paul's letters that people are starting to fall away because it hasn't happened. The Thessalonians begin to ask, well, what happens if you die before you come? You know, these early Christians literally thought that they would see Jesus again. In fact, one commentator that I read said they probably all walked around with a crick in their neck from looking up all the time. <laughs> they were waiting. They were expectant. They hoped to see him soon. So, it is this, this coming back that we look to in Advent. A couple of weeks ago, I told you that Advent is different from any other season of the church year. Does anybody remember why? Because we it takes place outside of history. It hasn't happened. We're looking, all the Bible talks about events that occur. But Advent takes us past the death of Jesus, past the resurrection, and makes us look down the horizon to Jesus coming again. We all can recount biblical stories. We all know scriptures. We all know people that have really influenced our lives, great Bible teachers. But Advent calls us to look beyond all of those things into a future that we can as yet only imagine. Advent's a lot like the prophets we just heard about. They were forward-looking people who knew they had to live in expectation to clean up their lives, to clean up their relationships, to be ready. What would we do if we walked out of church this morning and saw Jesus coming? Would we be ready? Would we be ready? They were preparing in the early days for the coming of Jesus. And we, too, have to prepare for the coming of the king. But I suspect not many of us walk around with a crick in our neck from looking up. Because it's been 2,000 years. That's a long time. There have been so many times in history. And you all could recount personal ones as well as national and corporate tragedies when you can think, this would be a good day for the Lord to come and put everything to right. But it hasn't happened yet. But it doesn't mean that we're not to look in expectation toward the 
future. A few weeks ago, um, late September actually, we talked about Esther. Everybody remember Esther? <laughs> Esther was the young Jewish girl. She had not returned um, when people went back to Jerusalem. She and her uncle Mordecai had stayed um, in the foreign land, and so she is found to be one of the most beautiful women in the kingdom and taken, the, you all can remember the long story that goes on, but taken into the court to be trained to be possibly chosen as king's wife, which she ultimately is. Now, Esther wasn't terribly faithful. She wasn't a devout Jew. She goes to the court, eat lavishly prepared food, but it ain't kosher. In fact, Mordecai tells her, don't tell people you're Jewish. <laughs> Ultimately, she marries the king. That's another Jewish nomad. You do not marry outside the faith. So it's not that she is this stellar um, person, but God is going to use her. I remember what Mordecai says to her. He says, maybe it is for this time that you are in the court. Maybe it is for this time that you are to intervene for your people. Maybe it is for this time. So, when we hear Malachi and he prophesies about readiness for the future, it was his time to speak out. God had called him, even though it was years before Jesus was going to come, it was Malachi's time to speak out. Then we meet John the Baptist. And that's, by the way, another miracle birth for, to a woman who had been barren. And John the Baptist is born for this time. For this time, began the proclamation that the king would come. He was in his time. Now, honestly, he didn't necessarily have a real happy lifestyle. He's living in the wilderness. He's eating wild locusts, which I don't even know what they are. Um, dressed in, you know, just animal skins. He is not leading a fine and great and glorious lifestyle. But it was his time. And he comes in all of his unsplendor, so to speak, and says, people, it is time to repent. Get ready. The king has come. The long-awaiting Messiah is coming. He knew he was coming. And of course, as you and I know, he recognized him. So, who knows? But for what time... What as this, you and I are called. What are we called to be and do today? Advent is upon us. How does it call to us to live? <clears throat> Who knows what we will be called to do or say today or this week or this month that might change someone's life that might invite someone into deeper relationship with Jesus, that might give someone a whole new way of looking at things. 
what would our lives look like if we lived into the promise of Advent? What would our lives look like if we really expected Jesus might show up at any time? And I gotta tell you, he could. What if Jesus came today? or tomorrow, or next month, or even next year, would be would we be ready? Would we be ready to face Jesus? Would he be proud of who we are? Would he know that we have been ready for our time to speak truth? We talked about the truth being relationship a couple weeks ago, of living into the truth of who Jesus is. That's what Advent calls us to. It hasn't happened, but it will happen. Maybe not in our lifetime, but somewhere down the road. And how we live today will affect the people that we interact with and the future. 